You're listening to Around the King's Table, a podcast of the Mount Church in Clemson, South Carolina, with Pastor George Marshall and Pastor Brian Mann. Pull up a chair and listen in as they seek to serve up biblical dialogue for building disciples of Jesus. to another episode of Around the King's Table. I'm Brian. And I'm George. And uh, so today... Yeah, today we're picking up where we left off uh, in our last episode, uh, 1 Timothy 2, we did 1 through 7, and today we're going to look at the rest, so 8 through 15. Right, so let's get to this. I desire mm-hmm. then... Mm-hmm. That in every place, every place, the men should pray, mm-hmm. lifting holy hands. Very, very uh, Old Testament temple kind of language. Without anger or quarreling. Mm-hmm. So we'll just pause there. Yeah. That's First Timothy two verse eight. Mm-hmm. Go. Seems like a lot of overlap, right? <laughs> that, that's kind of I mean I already said it, but ultimately you know without quarreling, without uh, mm. Anger yeah. sounds very similar to the that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Mm. Sorry, encourage them to be praying um, that they would pray for all people, especially for the rulers who themselves are not Christians, and maybe their example will lead them to Christ, which would be beneficial. Um, but yeah, he he prays that I desire the men first should pray. They're the ones who are going to lead the primary example. Mm. Um, and he's going to get, of course, into chapter three. He's going to be talking directly to the elders. Um, but he starts here with that, that they should be praying, that they should be lifting holy hands, and they should be doing it in a way that, you know, leads to peace and is an example of promoting peace. Yeah. Now, if they're lifting holy hands in every place, yeah. their arms are going to get tired. Oh, gosh. Right? There is a, there is a purpose in okay. metaphorical language, I think. <laughs> <laughs> there seemed to be some context. Right? I think this is something of, the, you know, like... <laughs> Yeah, greet everyone with a holy kiss. Yeah, lifting holy hands. Yeah. you know, holy hands though, right? So, so he's he's he is definitely saying because he he also then mentions without anger or quarreling. Yeah. So he is getting at the heart issue there. He's not saying, hey guys, you need to come together, right? And, and you need to pray and you need to give expressions mm-hmm. of of worship, but he's he's saying it needs to be true worship. You need to have a sincere heart. Yeah. In these things, you need to have First Timothy one five, love, right? Yeah, love towards your brothers, your sisters, others. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience, conscience and right. a sincere faith. And now he's putting that on the brothers. Correct. And he's saying, yeah, when you come together, I want you to engage not just in forms of worship, mm-hmm. prayer, lifting holy hands, right? But in true worship, mm-hmm. true biblical worship of resurrected hearts. Right. I mean, we, it's really also playing yeah. on psalm language. I'm not going to pull out the right psalm off the top of my head, but even just, just Psalm 1, you have the picture of righteous, the unrighteous, those who are properly oriented towards God. And those are the ones with the holy hands, clean hands that can mm-hmm. approach and have God answer mm-hmm. um, ultimately. And so it is a, it is mm-hmm. the holy hands concept is, is, a, is an idea of they have hearts that are ready to speak to God and have, have him expect to speak back, um, to respond. 
Interestingly, uh, I, I came across Zechariah 7.13 just reading the other day, and there's a verse in there. Um, just take it, pull it, pluck it right out of context. There you go. Um, <clears throat> that's what we like to do. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, but, but it's, um, God says to the people, the Lord says to the people, you know, I, I have, I've spoken to you and you have not received my word. Right. So when you speak to me, right. I, I, I will not receive it. Yeah. You posted that actually yeah, yeah, earlier. Right. Yeah. Right. And, uh, but the whole issue there is there's, there is a one-to-one God speaks to us. We're to re- be receptive to the word of God so that when we come and do this, when we come to pray, right, come to worship, uh, it's something that's pleasing to God, mm-hmm. right? There is a responsiveness there. Uh, so yeah, I think again, there in verse eight. He is, he is trying to say, no, there are forms of worship. There are expressions of worship. Men, you should lead in those expressions of worship. Yeah. But just make sure that you're doing it in a way that is sensitive to God, mm-hmm. in a way that is receptive of the word of God, yeah. a way that is where you are filled with the spirit of Christ uh, towards God and towards uh, one another. Yeah. Don't be angry. No quarreling. Get no quarreling. that out. Yeah. Let there be love. Let you be dominated by love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, there? well, yeah, so the, the in every place, um, it may help us also think through the um, without anger or quarreling. So what we're really probably talking about is in every place is this is a church over a city, if you can think of it, much more connected than we often think of churches being. Um, and so you have these pockets of churches in in the area and it's it's a question of are they quarreling with one another are they presenting a good image again as he's been doing in the early part of this chapter are they presenting a good image um to the world that they actually are following christ Mm -hmm. um and so part of that quarreling and anger is is related to the in every place as these little pockets of christianity Mm -hmm. are are they behaving as one Mm. yeah now he's going to use this word likewise, mm-hmm. an interesting use of the word likewise here. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, mm-hmm. also that women. Mm-hmm. And so women are now going to take up the rest of the, uh, the chapter here. Uh, likewise, also that women should adorn themselves. Mm-hmm. So he is concerned chiefly here at least until verse uh, 11. Yeah. Uh, with the adornment of Christian women. Sure. Adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair. Uh-huh. So watch out for the braids, girls. Not with braided hair. I'm just kidding. We'll come back to it. It's okay. <laughs> with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire. But adorn yourselves with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Uh-huh. What's what's he what's he trying to to get at in all of that? <laughs> it's time for us to get in trouble. It is. Well, no, not really. I mean, so, I mean, it's all about it's how we present ourselves and what we find actually valuable mm. and what we want people to see as valuable. Mm. And really, if you go back, I mean, let's go back to the men. He mm-hmm. wants them first and foremost to be seen for praying, mm-hmm. for worshiping rightly, for leading in prayer and worship. Yeah. Um, 
And so that's the first thing. If we kind of get that, then we have the right standing to then understand the women. When they yeah. pres- what they're presenting is what's important to them. Mm-hmm shouldn't be their clothing and their hair and you know, it's this stuff that I mean that you kind of think uh, Hunger Games mm-hmm. what's notable about Hunger huh. Games these oh my gosh these costumes yeah. that are just out of this world and right. is that what we want to be known for yeah. and so rather than you know the embellishments that show off wealth or show off our position or status or whatever mm. Paul urges that they have a, a, a demeanor that they carry themselves with modesty self-control respectableness and so the not with braided hair is is not so much a you can't wear braided hair braiding is sinful as much as it is that shouldn't be what draws attention to you you want to you want to adorn yourself you want to comport yourself in such a way that the gospel is actually what is on display and not your hair yeah your status with christ correct over your status with the world yeah absolutely yeah i think i think that's right um the question is, yeah, you know, what what do you want to be known for? Absolutely. What should a Christian man? What should a Christian woman, woman. Mm-hmm. be known for? Yeah, it's, it's an identity issue. It is. Yep. Right. So, but but it, that speaks to our culture just as much as any other that's ever Absolutely. been. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll find that this whole this whole chapter is yeah. is universal in the way that Paul is presenting mm-hmm. it. He is not presenting something like, yeah. you Ephesians in this little place, you have to deal with this in a certain way. Yeah. The rest of the world can do their thing, but you... This is just for you. No, he's he's talking that's right. big and global. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Today, we do so easily and frequently count our identity and our status in Christ as something that is separate from so many other identities mm-hmm. uh, and statuses in the world. Right. When Christ or Christian is supposed to be all-encompassing right. of the entirety of our it's, lives. It's overarching to the point that in, you know, yeah. elsewhere Paul is basically going to say, you know, if you're a slave, well, Stay there unless you have the ability. To, if you if you're a mm-hmm. husband, if you're a wife, so whatever yeah. situation you found yourself in, be that's not a thing Christ. to be run from. That's actually yeah. a, a place Christ has put you to serve. Yes. Unless unless he moves you to another station. Yeah. But regardless, whatever the station is, be faithful to Christ in that. Mm-hmm. Show Christ in that. Show yeah. that he is he is the most significant thing in the universe to your heart right. in that. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, again, um, we're going to get to this again here in just a second, but he starts with the men. He does. Mm -hmm. Okay. Men, I want you to be spiritually active. Yes. I want you to be spiritually leading. Yeah. Praying, lifting holy hands, not fighting each other Mm -hmm. as men are wont to do. Want to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, But loving one another. Ladies... I want you to focus not so much on your exterior self, on what can win you the applause of the world, what can gain the eyes of the crowds. Sure. I want you to live before the sight of Christ. Mm-hmm. Major on those things. Yeah. Let let that, let his eyes on your heart mm-hmm. dominate your heart and the things that define you externally. And he gets to, yes, modesty. Okay, when it comes to your clothing or whatever, modesty, dressing with self-control, 
But then he comes down to, this is what's proper for women who profess godliness. Right. And he talks about good works. Mm-hmm. So again, those are those are points. Like if you're preaching, those are those are the places where you come to a halt, right? Sure. And you ask those questions: Are these the things that we're known for? Right. Men, are you known for leading mm-hmm. your wife, your home, in the church, in the world, in a manner that is becoming of Jesus Christ? Sure. Yeah. In true godliness, ladies, are you known above all? Not for your lovely hair, not mm-hmm. for your outward adornment, right. not for all these things that people can easily lay their eyes on. Yeah, the newest bag, the newest shoes. But God doesn't look at the appearance only. No. He looks upon the heart. Christ looks upon the heart. Are you known for not just good works as we might call them, but good works as God defines yeah. good works? Mm-hmm. Things that are pleasing to Christ. Yeah, like, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else you want to... Uh, get out there before we hop into. I think it's time. Eleven. Okay, we're, to yeah, 15. we're we're gonna have to just, just okay, dive in. Go. All right, so we come to eleven. Mm-hmm. I think it's contextually beneficial to know that right around the corner. In fact, if you just turn the page in my Bible, same here. You get to officers in the church, yep. elders, elders and deacons. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is like four verses before we get to officers in a church. Yeah. Verse 11 says, Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. Mm-hmm. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Mm-hmm. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. We'll just mm-hmm. pause right there. Yeah. That's probably we'll say verse 15. We'll say for, for the very 15 end. for last. Okay. That's, yeah. that's clever. So, so <laughs> what, what, uh, what stands out for you in those, those few verses there? How, how do we need to, uh, I mean, obviously those, no matter what we verses. do, this is going to be a controversial passage in our culture, our culture, because yeah. it, um, we, we prize individualism so much. And that's probably a good place to start with our culture. But we prize individualism so much that really we, we, we fight against any distinction and the natural distinction, men and women. And I would say even go so further than that. So it's not so much natural in the scientific sense, but but the God-ordained distinction, the creation ordinance kind of yeah. distinctions are themselves contrary to what our culture sees as individualistically freeing. Um, and because so of the fall. this is going to be a problem. There's, there's just no way about it. Even if we agree with Paul, mm-hmm. there's this part of us is like, ah, oh, that's just not what I would, I would, I would love Paul to be, you know, yeah. being more free. And it's really our culture, not so much our adherence to yeah. God's law, to scripture, the way that God has actually presented what's good for mankind. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to, as a culture and as individuals in this culture, we're going to have to struggle with this. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ultimately think it's good. And, and I, I think it really <laughs> important really important here is that yeah. Paul is not presenting some sort of, this is just about the Ephesian women. It isn't just about a particular class of women in yeah. 
Ephesus. He's basically saying this is grounded yeah. in first creation, so not fall even. This is not like so the patriarchy needs to go down because it's the fall. Yeah. The patriarchy is really a, a, an element of the fall. What Paul is saying is right. no, first, foundationally, it's it's actually in Adam's creation first. And we see That's throughout right. scripture this whole firstborn kind of thing where yep. there's a certain amount of responsibility and privilege in that. But then secondarily, he does bring in the fall as well. And yep. both of these together, that's Paul's Paul's reasoning. He doesn't yep. reason from, well, there's some bad cultural practices happening there that yep. we need to restrict. He doesn't do that sort of thing. He says, scripture, creation, fall. This is the order God has presented for us. Uh-huh. Um, and so you were talking sort of this, the reversals. That's really what he's starting to play with ultimately is the fact that in creation to fall, we saw a complete reversal. Yep. Man was supposed to be, you know, to, to, to care for the woman and both together were to yep. care for the world. And we have this reversal where the world is dominating the woman, the woman dominating the man. And God says that, that was never my intention for it to it's act a serpent's like intention. intention. It was the serpent's intention. Right. Yeah. That's so. right. A couple of things just before we go a little bit further there. Uh, one, we have I think we have to keep in mind that Paul Paul is we we I think we would say Paul is the author of First Timothy. Yeah, we would also say that Paul is the author of the letter to the Galatians. Mm-hmm. In Galatians, Paul is going to say that when it comes to standing with God, right? When it comes to uh, justification, right? The forgiveness of our sins, mm-hmm. uh, the imputation of Christ's righteousness, yep. our standing place before God. He's going to say there is no longer men Junior, and Greek, women, male, Jew, women. Greek, yeah. slave, free, Absolutely. all this kind of thing. He's not saying that there's no such so thing no as gender identity or ethnic right. identity or anything like that. He's just saying as it relates to meriting a spot with God or meriting God's favor. Absolutely. Gender, gender is canceled out just like ethnicity is canceled out, just like all these other things are canceled out. The only basis of your standing with God is the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. It is his life, death, and his resurrection. That's it. You stand in Christ. There you, you don't. Have it. Yeah. Right. And so he's saying here, at the same time that he's going to say the things that he says in our verses, he's going to say, no, when it comes to justification, there is an absolute equality between men and women mm-hmm. in terms of their standing place with God. Yeah. Okay. So it's good. But in our culture, because of the fall, it's kind of in our minds like, well, if if there's any kind of functional difference between men and women, there has to be an ontological difference. Do you want to break that, break those words down? Right? Like, I mean, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> their, their, their value, their being, right. right? Like they're, they're not equal. If we cannot equally participate in the same things. Right. Then we're not equal. Then we're not equal. We're, we're, we're not of the same value. Being. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. So I just want to, I want to hit that and to say, no, you can you can have different functions, divine design, purpose, different functionalities, mm-hmm. and still be equal. Absolutely, both as human beings and as children of God. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, to, to argue otherwise is real. I mean, you're going to have to argue against Scripture because right. it regularly <laughs> talks about identity yeah. as something different from function. Right. So one of the things right now, of course, there's a very very popular huge church that is going through you yeah, know, yeah. the issue of female pastors and all this kind of thing. There's also some authority going on there as well, which is the kind there of is, there it's, is it's not surprising when this is the context. 
There is. And the only reason I bring it up here, other than the fact that we're in First Timothy 2 and we're about to go into elders and deacons Three. and whatnot, yeah. um, is we're having to make a decision all the time. Even as Christians, we're having to make a decision on what is actually authoritative, mm-hmm. uh, sufficient yeah. for our faith and for our practice. Is it Scripture itself or is it our interpretation of Scripture? Right. Which one of those two things, and they're not the same, which one of those two things are actually authoritative for us? Mm. And, of course, I'm always going to side with Scripture on that, not just our interpretation. I share that opinion, so. Yeah. So. Other thing that I would bring up here, um, just to kind of front all of this, is to point out, this is why I was asking earlier about the setting of what he's saying because it is clear. It is so clear in a variety of other places in the new Testament from the same Paul Mm -hmm. that he is blessed by women. Oh yeah. That the gospel advances on the backs of women, you know, doing so many amazing, wonderful, daring, bold uh, things, you know? And so, we want to hit highlight that too. Yeah. Because because again here he's gonna say, Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. But then you go over to First Corinthians fourteen mm-hmm. and you see women praying in, in the context of corporate worship and, Absolutely. and and things like this nature. You think of Apollos being corrected, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he he had missed something, messed up on his sermon, yep. right? Yep. And and Prisca and Aquila they they come to him and they Guide. Uh, they guide him in that. And so he's receiving from a woman uh, correction there over his preaching. The great preacher, Apollos. Absolutely. Right? So we want to hit those things too. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Right? So you get into Romans. We, we just got through Romans in our, our prayer time before before service, right? At mm-hmm. the very end of the letter. How many how many ladies does, does Paul ton. mention? Yeah. yeah absolutely. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to, to, to say that too, just so we're not thinking... Again, uh, well, if a woman is not uh, permitted to teach or to preach, let's say in the context, let's assume the context is public corporate worship. worship. Yeah. Okay. Well, then what good? What 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 good? What good? A uh, ton. A ton. ton. And, that, and that's and that's a really ton. where verse fifteen is going. But yep. even not being there yet, I mean, yeah, this is not a this is not a passage to be used to yep. say you have to just do whatever I say. Yeah. I'm a man. You're a woman. You know, this submissiveness is not, you know, oh, not every yeah. man has been really raised to the level of mm. a woman's spouse, nor as her, you know, judge and jury. Mm. Um, Paul clearly doesn't think yeah. that just because right. he sets up a condition for good gospel proceeding mm-hmm. from God's plan. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's just talk about how he roots it then. Sure. You've already you've already alluded to it. Yeah. Or spoken even directly to it. To but it. Let's yeah. let's let's go back to the to yeah. Where let's he do roots it. it because again, so much of the reconstruction around it is about well, this is he's just he's just trying to help this church think through what's going on at Ephesus at this time. Right. So this does not apply. It doesn't apply to us to us today or whatever else. Yeah. But you just, that doesn't make any sense of verses 13 and 14. It doesn't. Because he roots it in Genesis 1 and 2. He does. And 3. And 3. <laughs> so he goes all the way back to creation mm-hmm. and to the fall and to God's purpose and design 
in the creation of the man and the woman yeah. and the serpent's subterfuge. Yep. How he cuts underneath that mm-hmm. to mess it all up. Yep. And this is where we are. Yes. But Christ is redeeming all of that. He's he's redeeming uh, all of it the is. fallen mess mm-hmm. and trying to reorder it according to God's original design in a way that glorifies Christ. Right. But, okay. but I think that's part of it is we we, yeah. we want reordering, but maybe not after God's design. We want to improve and tweak it okay. a little bit. And God right. is over here, nah, I kind of had it right in the first place. Mm. Kind of knew what I was doing. think it would be best for yeah. the church if you actually kind of played along with my game plan. Yeah. And, and often we push back a little bit on yeah. that, I think. But... Mm. Um, no, I think part of it is it's still... This is verses 13 and 14. It is still 13 and 14. Right. I, I think, you know, he is still reinforcing the whole... Um, that you may, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. I think yeah. he's still grounding these all together. He hasn't really yeah. shifted. Um, he's saying you're behaving in accordance with the way God kind of ordained and configured creation to work, the way he yeah. organized his relationship with man and woman... If you fight against that, ultimately you will run aground of leading the peaceful, quiet life that commends the gospel. Yeah. I think he's ultimately saying you're you're going to be deceived um, if you kind of reject that, and the the result is ruinous um, mm-hmm. for the church. Um, and so, no, it's actually in your best interest to 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 do this, to abide and kind of follow what I'm teaching you. Right, human blessedness is directly related to our walking according to the wisdom of God, the infinite, Correct. perfect wisdom of God for Correct. his own glory and for our joy. Yeah. Yeah. So you see verses 13 to 14 there. And again, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. Mm-hmm. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Okay. Now, he, he, he roots it. Yep. For. What's the for there for? Right. <laughs> for. Adam was formed first. Yep. There was purpose. There was a d- design in that. Eve was not formed first. Correct. Adam was formed first for a reason, on purpose. Mm-hmm. Then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So there's two things there. Adam was created first and the woman was deceived first. Mm-hmm. Those two things together... Yep. Right, Genesis one and two, Genesis three. Yep. And again, are the basis of what Paul is saying absolutely. here. And and it's a it's again it's a restoration. It's not a mm-hmm. we haven't quite gotten as far enough, and it's going to be better when Christ yeah. returns. This is actually Christ's intention. This is God's intention that the man who failed and stumbled in the church gets to be redeemed in a, not in the sense of yeah. salvation, but redeemed in a sense of being able to actually fulfill God's original purpose of mm-hmm. protection and governance um, in the church. And so, yeah, when we reject that thinking we know better, uh, yeah, and ultimately we don't quite get what God is trying to get yeah. accomplished. Right. It's really interesting because I think, again, my Hebrew is basically gone at this point. But like if you go back to Genesis 2, he's talking about the the garden there and uh, Adam's responsibility to guard and to keep and then to grow mm-hmm. that garden, to cultivate that garden. Yeah. The, 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 the language there is about a temple sanctuary. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So it's a garden. And he's meant to expand the boundaries of this temple sanctuary garden thing mm-hmm. until it encompasses the whole the world, world and the glory of God covers the face of the earth as the waters cover the sea 
kinds exactly. of thing. That's what's going on there. Mm-hmm. And, and that's before Eve is ever created. Right. The responsibility to do that is given first to Adam. Mm-hmm. He, he is created by God to take the active leading active role. Leading role. Just like these men are to take the active, leading, prayerful, That's right. worshipful. That's exactly right. That's what he's doing here. Yeah. Right? And and then after that, because he sees he needs help. Yeah. He needs help in this. Then Eve is created mm-hmm. from him, from Adam, yeah. to be that kind of helper. Yeah. And um, now they're going to do it together, but they have different functions in that. A complementary mm-hmm. A complementary, complementary <laughs> roles. He's taking the lead role in that, and yeah. she's supportive of that leadership because she knows that ultimately that leadership, if carried out according to the goodness and the grace and the word of God, is yeah. going to be to her eternal benefit. Yeah. And his. And his. And, and all. Those that, yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. So, again, Adam is formed first. We know that there is design in that. Mm-hmm. For his activity, his spiritual leadership, because the serpent, when he comes into the garden, all he wants to do is reverse everything, undo everything that God has done. Right. So he comes in, and who does he come to first? Comes to the woman. He comes to the woman and not to the man. By the way, after the fall has happened, who does God come to first? The man. Because he's still ultimately responsible. And Paul holds him responsible. So this is not a a finger wagging at Eve like everything falls on you. No. Adam was the one who ultimately was responsible. He was ultimately. Although it's interesting here that he does say Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived. Yeah. Right? And uh, became a transgressor. Adam's Adam's failure is he didn't teach. He didn't priest. He didn't priest. He didn't king. Yes. He didn't prophet. He didn't speak God's word. He did not. Yeah. He did not take the leadership role that he was supposed to yeah. by the word of God. And then this anti-word comes in and the woman is deceived by it. And through that deception, he also is deceived yeah. and led into sin. And then the ruin of the world right. happens. Yeah. Right. So he's saying on the basis of these two things at the beginning of human history mm-hmm. that establishes culture for all time until the return of Christ establishes a new creation yeah right uh, we're going to be laboring for the recovery of what God intended yeah from the get-go yeah but that should be increasingly beautifully manifest in the context of the local church which is I mean it's the only place where it can happen as long as we're in this particular <laughs> without Christ here present on earth with us bodily the church is where we should expect to see those things right and we are individually and then collectively this temple sanctuary mm-hmm. garden thing right exactly that that Christ is doing and all God's atoms mm-hmm. are to be the ones who are taking that spiritual leadership role yeah um, especially when it comes to the proclamation of the word of God mm-hmm. again Genesis 2. Three, right? right proclamation right. of the word of God teaching of the word of God mm-hmm. to the people of God to the glory yeah. of God by the spirit of God and all the things yeah right and now he's going to go into elders and deacons and we're going to talk about that next time correct except we got to go deal, deal with verse 15 I know so here verse 15 <clears throat> yet <laughs> yet she mm-hmm. Eve and women right yeah okay 
yet she will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not what it says. It doesn't say that. That's true. But that's yes. not what it says. It says, yet she will be saved through childbearing mm-hmm. if they continue in faith. That continue there is an important word mm-hmm. because it implies that she already has faith. Right. Okay. So she'll be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness. Some people translate that sanctification. Hmm. With okay. self-control. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to let you fall on your sword oh, first. Oh, awesome. Yes. Sweet. <laughs> Which is what I always do. I know. I, I'm, I'm so sacrificial in that way. <laughs> I think you were good that in earlier on we talked yeah. through Galatians that ultimately mm. this is not about salvation. This isn't about... Justification. Yeah, it isn't about justification. Right. This is not about how we come to Christ. Yeah. Um... There's some commentators who, you know, make it, especially in the modern context, they, they make it about, you know, something, uh, you know, maybe he, Paul is arguing for some form of um, protection during childbearing, which, of course, was a little you know, more dangerous or something like that. I, I don't think that's where he's going. It doesn't seem to really fit what he's trying to say. Um, I think it is important that we, you know, deal with um, that word save. Yeah. It's you know, so, so... It, it, <laughs> It can be saved, but it can be something more like preserve or kept. Mm. Um, and I think that's probably better here. Um, where Paul is still, again, he's dealing with this transgression that has happened um, and the deception. And it's sort of the vindication or the reversal of that is them actually continuing faithfully mm. um, in this submissive role in the same way that the men by leading are comporting with their role and they're presenting a good gospel the women actually by doing those things and having a focus on the sphere that is appropriate to them by not taking those that leadership role by not speaking in where they're you know really being asked to step back um it actually will be to their benefit and for their preservation and then really the preservation of the gospel message as it goes forward Mm -hmm. so i think that's where he's seeing um childbearing he does call out and i don't think this is any attempt at like creating like women who have children are more important than singles. And that's a big thing that comes up. I don't think he has to, it has to be said. Ultimately the right word for this is going to be a big word is synecdoche. Um, It's basically treating a, a part as the whole. And so when we talk about childbearing, what can men not do? Regardless of what culture says, women, (laughs) men cannot bear children. Um, And so it works as a really good, uh, word to kind of grasp all of that womanly feminine sphere. Those mm. things that Paul is talking about, he's really saying through this one part, he's really reflecting on the whole of what women should be focused on um, and how they're supposed to you know, bring to bear There's who God has created them to be. And that's it. That's I'm dead. I'm dead. Um, but mothering. Yeah. Mothering, mothering. But I mean, yeah. but, but mothering... Uh, that that isn't just you know okay I can't have a child because I'm I'm barren I'm Sarah D- totally. that's that's not the same right. thing as that's why that's why it can't be they're saved right they're justified before God well it can't even be my value is somehow yeah. lessened because I can't have children yeah um, if you have a single lady in the church 
there is so much good she can still do that it, it, it shouldn't be received as a, well, I can't do this, therefore I'm lesser. There is so much yeah. to be done, and there are so many women who are younger than you who about need your help to speak into them. There is so yeah. many, there's so much service you can yeah. provide. Yeah. There's so much that God intends you to do yeah. Um, that, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's using it as a limiting factor in that way. I mm-hmm. think he's really thinking this is for your best to fully commit and focus in um, on where I have put you um, as a woman um, that it not only blesses you and preserves you, but it is preservational for the church and for the gospel message itself. Yeah. So, yeah, I've sufficiently, <clears throat> there you go. Yeah. George has just fallen over on the ground. I'm not. His sword no, is no, through no, no. his, Oh gosh. yeah, no. Um, <laughs> so just a couple of, uh, of things here, uh, a, a few, uh, historical interpretations of what's being said here. It's interesting that in, in the Greek, uh, the childbearing there is actually singular. Uh, so it's ch- the child birth, right? Uh, yeah. Child through child birth. Uh, so there's there is an interpretation that says she'll be saved by means of the child birth, what, which people then take to mean as the birth of Christ. Okay. Okay. So uh, I don't think that's that's what's yeah. going on here exactly. Um, another one is what you mentioned. She will come safely through childbirth. Yeah. Right, so more of a preservative kind of kind of thing there. Uh, another one is by means of bearing children, she will be rescued from everlasting damnation and will merit everlasting glory. And we're saying, oh gosh, no. Yes, that is, <laughs> that's, that is that is not uh, that is not it either. Again, I think one of the things that we want to highlight, uh, as Paul will say elsewhere as well, but it's but it's implied here in verse fifteen. If they continue, right, the end of the mm-hmm. verse is not yet. She will be saved through childbearing. Boom. Period. Right. It is if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. That is, if she's a legitimate Christian. Right. Right. So there's a sense in which faith is prior to all of this. She's mm-hmm. been saved through faith in this one who earlier in the chapter has given himself as a ransom for all. This one mediator between her and God. Right. Her and her God. Like, right. It's through Christ. That's how they're saved. Um, but there is a sense, and I think I, I think I'm, uh, again, here's my, I'll fall on the sword on your, your sword. Turn. Yes. You, you're holding out the sword. I see now, and I will, uh, <laughs> gladly fall on it here. But, uh, but I think I, I, I agree there on yet. She will be, uh, again, preserved through childbearing. I think that's, that's close to what's going on here. It's in the sphere of her faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and I think even contextually, this is what um, Paul is kind of focusing on, emphasizing. Yeah. W- what what should you be known for as a Christian woman? Absolutely. Right? So it is mm-hmm. uh, this, you know, your apparel should be modest and self-controlled and you should adorn yourself with godliness and good works and uh, you should take a, in, in the context, especially in the context of public corporate worship, you should remember the creation and you should remember the fall mm-hmm. and, and you should thank God for his grace, pray for strong, godly, competent men, qualified mm-hmm. men to preach the word of God and just live under the shade tree. 
right there. Yeah. You know, just in that context. Um, and also then in that same sphere, uh, you know, give yourself to holiness, give yourself to love, give yourself to self-control, give yourself to faith, continue in faith. Mm-hmm. And as God grants it, because we even know, like you think about the matriarch, you think about uh, Sarah and all these like, yeah. it is a gift of God that you would not be barren mm-hmm. and that you would have children. But as God is uh, giving you children, focus there. Major major on that. Mm-hmm. See that as a gift of God. And, a, and an arena in which he will work to keep you, preserve you, sanctify you. We probably should go back to Genesis 3 just to recognize that after he has set this curse upon the world yeah. right, because of sin, yeah. he makes a promise of blessing mm-hmm. and salvation. Right. And he says to the serpent, interestingly, that he's going to put enmity between the woman yeah. and the serpent. And she's going to have offspring. <laughs> she's going to have offspring and offspring. Offspring. The serpent's going to have his own, Right. And Adam picks up on that, which is why when he names her, mm-hmm. he names her Eve, which means the mother of mother of the of, living, of, of the living, yeah, the living, right? There's something there, and I'm probably going to want to refrain since I've never preached on First Timothy and studied it like I need to <laughs> uh, from trying to make the connections there. But there is yeah. something that's probably related there from Genesis 3. And, and, and again, God saying, listen, the Christ is going to come through Eve. Mm-hmm. right? She's going to bear children. The curse means it's going to hurt. Now, of course, Eve does not bear Christ. Right. <laughs> Mary does. Um, right. but, but there is the, uh, the Christ is coming through through the woman and the childbearing and mm-hmm. Adam picks up on this and names her Eve. Yeah. There's there's a certain amount of wonder that we should really mm. continue to have. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to connect those two right now. I'll refrain. So, okay, anything else great. here? Perfect. No, I think that was great. I think we fairly covered okay. First Timothy 2. Okay. If you have any complaints or questions, oh, please see George. Right. And, and I will direct you End to episode. Brian. <laughs> And we would direct you to God. There you go. And to scripture. Perfect. To his word.